Let's take our seats together and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just say thank you this morning for your incredible love and mercy. And we just pray that you receive of this offering this morning from our hearts uh, and open hearts and open lives with open hands. We, we do what we can do, Lord. We give you what we can give you. And then you do what we can't do. You multiply. And uh, we just pray this morning, Lord, receive of this gift from our hearts and open lives. And uh, bless it to your work in Jesus' incredible and amazing name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, wonderful. Well, good morning. It's good to um, see you this morning. It's good to have you with us. We're going to be looking this morning at uh, Luke chapter 9. He says, just press the button. Cool. There it is. It's come up there. Commissioned for mission. Luke 9, verses 1 to 10. And that's what we're going to look at together in a moment or two. If you have a Bible with you, will you turn with me to um, Luke's Gospel and uh, Luke chapter 9? And we're going to look at a few scriptures. So here we go, Luke 9, and uh, we'll look at Luke 10 and Acts 1, just in case you want to get them ready. Okay. So uh, our theme is Commission for Mission, and uh, we're following a series that we're looking at together, following Jesus. So the series that we're looking at is uh, helping us reflect on what it means to be a disciple and how can we follow Jesus all the more. And all of our songs this morning, oh, our worship is addressed to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, verse 1 of Luke 9 says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay here there until you leave the town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as the testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets from long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this? I hear such things about. And he tried to see him. Amazing things must have been happening. And this is why he said, I need to see this group. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. If you go over to chapter 10, verse 1, similar story now. We see Jesus speaking to the 12. Now he's commissioned 70. One translation says 72. After this, in verse 1 of chapter 10, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone Who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. In other words, don't take advantage of people, is what he's saying. Verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those there who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable that, uh, on that day for Sodom than for this town, that town. Woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. In other words, that's the Father. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amazing that. Now, finally, one last reading. Acts 1, verse 8. The story is unfolding. Luke is the writer of the Gospel of Luke, and Luke is also the writer of the book of Acts. So Luke, we see seeing Jesus commissioning and releasing 12. Then he's commissioning and releasing 72. The ripple effect, the When you throw a stone in a pond, it ripples out. Now the ripples get further. In Acts 1, verse 8, we read this. The ripples go much further in the commission to mission. We read in Acts 1, verse 8, verse 7, to get some context. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you... That's talking to all of his disciples that were gathered there. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All of you. To the ends of the earth now. Not just in a few towns where Jesus was walking, but to the world, the universe, the ends of the earth. Everyone. And so we see there is this commission to reach out to those around us. Former Archbishop uh, of uh, Canterbury, George Carey, was speaking at uh, a conference uh, in November 2013. So this is something recent. And during that conference, he was looking at the challenge facing the church. Perhaps he was speaking particularly with an eye on his own denomination. That's the Anglican movement, the Church of England. But he was speaking generally to the whole church, I believe, uh, from what I understand, what people say. And in addressing this conference on the challenge facing the church today, he made a number of statements, big long message. But one of his statements that I picked out was interesting. He said, if Christianity wants to see the next century, it may need a miracle. He was talking about the challenge. If Christianity wants to see the next century, it may need a miracle. He, said, he went on to say this, we are a generation away from extinction. And he was addressing church life. And if we don't reach out and continue to reach out and reach out to the young as well as all walks of life, we will be frozen in time. And in 40 years, if we don't reach out, there's a shrinking sense. The Christian Research Organization um, did a number of um, polls across the whole nation. 
I remember them in 1990 being part of that. And when I was in Aberdeen, you, if you were in Christian leadership, filled out questionnaires across the whole country. In 2007, 2008, they did a religious trends. They visited, revisited some of the, their um, polls that they'd taken and were extrapolating and looking at the future. And... Um, This is what they were saying. Uh, This is just one poll. There's many others, but they said this. In 1990, they looked. In 1990, there was a poll done, and 10% of people in the UK were attending church, roughly. 10%. That's church attendance. Lots of people say that they believe in Christianity. There's probably 70% people say they would be Christian. But 10% people attending, sitting like you and I are right now. 10%. 1990. 2005. You ready for this? Hold on to your seat. 2005, did a similar poll again to all of the churches across denomination, across the country. 2005, 6.7%. Gone down from 10% to 6.7% of people attending church. They extrapolated, and with that, set, that present sense of, of movement, they felt that by 2015, which is not that far away, they project, hasn't been taken yet, that around about 5% of people 5% of our population will be attending church. There's a danger. There's also an encouragement, and we're going to look at the encouragement this morning, because I believe we live in an age of great opportunity, and it's not all doom and gloom far from it. Statistics can tell certain pictures, I'm certain story. But the danger is this. If we stop, if we stay, this is what George Carey was looking at, if we stop as people, as church, as the Christian faith, and we stay put and stay comfortable and stay where we are and stay in our buildings, the danger is we begin to stagnate. If you continue to stagnate and there's nothing fresh, there's no fresh heart, fresh life, you suffocate. And we are seeing played out in the nation a sense of stagnation. So what must we do? What must we do? Well, Jesus always looked upon the church, people, you and I, as a movement. We are to be a people on the move, a people alive, a people reaching God, reaching one another, and reaching the world around us. So we must go. Jesus said, go into all the world. I am sending you. And if we go, that's when we grow. And it's interesting, decline in church attendance, if you go back to about 19, 1920, you go back to 1880, it was about 40% of people attended church. 1920, it would be something like 28 or 30% of people attended church. And so people say, it's not for me, it's outdated. It's, you know, but Jesus is alive. If he's alive and he's relevant, then there must be something that we can share with people. And he is. Jesus is alive and he is just as relevant. So Archbishop Carey was just saying to the church, not attacking the church, but saying there's great opportunity. Jesus is alive, and we're seeing him alive in so many people's lives and testifying to that. What must we do? And what we must do is do what Jesus says we are to do. And this is what follow Jesus is really all about. Jesus called the church to be a movement. We're called to follow Jesus, and we're called to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That requires movement. We can't dig our heels in and say, I'm staying here. I'm only going to sit in this pew. It's always going to be like this. And then we're dragged along for dear life, screaming and tugging and our heels in. Jesus says, come and follow me. And 
That's what we're seeking to do as believers and as a church. And we're called to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So it requires movement. It requires a movement of faith, an open heart, a sense of desire, a passion to live for, to say, I will follow you. And so Jesus calls us to follow him. Now, this is very interesting, moving on really quickly. So, by introduction. So, I want to look at three things this morning. First of all, um, Jesus shares his mission. He says to the disciples, he calls them together, and he calls the disciples together. And uh, this mission that he has to tell the world that God is good and you can have a relationship with God. Jesus says to the disciples, it says in verse 1 there, he calls the disciples together. And so he shares his mission. The mission isn't just for one person, it's for us all. Second thing that I want to look at this morning is that Jesus not only shared his mission, but he showed us how we could multiply the mission. He said the harvest is amazing, but the workers are few. Therefore pray that the Lord sends out workers into the harvest. So it's not a problem with the harvest. It's, it's the workers, the senders, the sent ones. And we're going to look at what it means to multiply that mission. And then finally, we will uh, we'll look at the response. And the great thing is, there's an amazing response. When we go for God, amazing things happen. Uh, there'll be rejection, but there'll also be a sense where people receive. And we're going to look at that and see where we go with that. And that's where we're going to go this morning. So first of all then... Jesus shares his mission. So you'll need your Bible in front of you or nearby you or on your iPad or on your whatever it is. We're going to look at verse by verse. And I just want to look at a few verses together. So verses 1 and 2. We see Jesus shares his mission. So it says there, Jesus says to the 12, it says, Jesus called. Jesus called. Jesus called them, first of all. He called them to himself. This mission, it wasn't just for Jesus, it was for everyone. You see it coming up there. He called them. Um, His mission is not just for him, but it's for all that follow him. I want to say that again. The mission of Jesus Christ is not just for him, but for everyone that seeks to follow him. So he said to the 12 disciples, he called them to himself. He said to the 72, he called them to himself. He said to all those on the day of Pentecost, he called them to himself. He was going to share his mission with them. It's not just for him. It's for everyone that's a follower of him. In other words, if you're a Christian, if we're a disciple, if we're a believer... It's for us all. He called them. A man called E.M. Bounds, he wrote, an amazing, he wrote some amazing books, said some amazing things, particularly on the power of prayer. He said this, God's methods are with men. He meant people, men and women. God's methods are with men, people, and people of prayer. He wrote an excellent book on prayer. I recommend it to you. Jesus calls us. He called them to himself. Um, so he, 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 that's the first thing he did. He, he wants to share and he calls us and he calls you and I to be close to him. So this is why I said, people say, what's your vision? What's your vision? And my vision is this, to encourage people to follow Jesus. And I will do all that I can to help model and help and point people to Jesus Christ. That's my mission in life. That's why I became a pastor. And to point people to Jesus, to encourage people to follow Jesus, to help people follow him all the more. And you and I, that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to encourage others to follow him, to believe in God, to turn to God. And that's for us all. So he called them. He called them to himself. Second thing that he did, um, and we see there, um, is that he gave them. He gave them power and authority. He not only calls us and called those disciples, but he 
gave them. You'll see that second thing. It says he gave them, so he called them to himself, then he gave them. He gave them power and authority. The power there is the same word for miracles, that same divine power and authority, credential. So Jesus gives us the charisma, the power, the charismatic gifts, but also the credentials, the authority. If somebody will show you, they have to show you their credential. If they come to your door, if it's the gas man, you say to him, can I see a credential, please? Well, I would. I'm a very cynical sort of person, perhaps. Police officer. Oh, can I see your credentials, officer, or whatever it is, or your lapel number, or whatever it is, so I can see that you are who you say you are. You're not pretending. And Jesus gives us credentials. He gives us authority so that we can truly be disciples of Christ, a sense of power over our lives. I find this. If I am available, God makes me able. If you become available, God makes you able. I find availability and ability seem to go hand in hand. People say, where's the power in the church? Why can't we see this? Why can't we do that? If we become available to God, here's my hands, here's my heart, this is my life. Jesus called them and they were available. And they came to him and they said, this is my life, God. I'm going to give my life to you. Many, many Christians today want to see the power of God. Love watching the God channel, seeing the power of God. We'll go to a revival meeting to see the power of God. But God calls us to be available. I find availability brings God's ability availability. So they came to him and uh, he gave them power and authority. Jesus shares his mission. The third thing that we see there, he, he called them, he gave them authority, and then he sent them. He calls us, he gives us authority, and he sends us. There's three simple things in life. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to see what his mission is in, in life. He calls us to himself, hence we're follow, seeking to follow Jesus. Then he gives us a sense of power and authority over our lives. And then he sends us. Availability means I'll do something for you, God. I'm going to go for you, God. And so he sent them. And so we see that Jesus called the 12 to himself. He gave them power and authority. And then he sent them out. We say in church, come, which is, yeah, I understand it's right. But Jesus says, go into all the world. Now, this is interesting because we find in what we've just read, in Luke 9, verse 2, Jesus sends out the 12. We've just read that. In Luke 10, verse 1, Jesus sends out the 72. We think of the 12 apostles, the, the special ones. Oh, dear. <laughs> A bit excited. Sorry about that. <laughs> but we think of the special ones. Now, they were special. They were anointed. They were the foundations of the church. But look at this. In Luke 10, he then sends out 70 or 72. The mission is expanded to everyone. And then in Acts 1 and verse 8, he says to everybody that's gathered there, wait the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses to the, even to the ends of the age. And on the day of Pentecost, the church is gathered. The power of God comes upon them and they are witnesses for him. He says this to Preach, to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And so we are to touch the world around us when he sends us to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Tell people that, about Jesus Christ. Tell them people that Jesus is real. thing is, is he real in my life? Is he real in your life? Have we got anything to tell anyone? Have we got anything to tell anyone beside me? And so Jesus called them to himself He empowered them and then sent them 
to, into life, into the highways and byways of life. And so he sends us to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. In other words, to teach and touch people's lives. In other words, what's our world around us? What's your world? Wherever your world is around you, he calls us to tell others and touch their lives, to tell others about Jesus Christ and touch their lives, to heal the sick, to reach out to those. It's a, Jesus cares about our bodies, our lives, our families, our relationships, our homes, who we are, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And he then says this, so he calls them to himself, he gave them power, he sends them out, and then he says something that I thought, what, what on earth, why does he say this? He says, take nothing with you. No bag, no money, no staff. You think to yourself, that's a bit, bit silly. That's a bit silly. And on this occasion, he says that. He says it a bit later on. But this isn't a pattern for all life and for every walk of life. This was something he was saying at that moment. He was making a point. What's the point? What do you think the point is? This is what I feel the point is. You may believe something else and you're entitled to that. But he was teaching a couple of things. When he said, take nothing with you, no staff, no bag, no money, he was teaching dependency. If ever you watch, uh, was it the island thing with Bear Grylls where these people are left on an island and you have to be dependent on the island and you've got nothing, you know, no phones, nothing, nothing. You can't, you've got no electricity, you've got no matches to light something. There they are trying to make a fire and they get really excited when they, they, they you know, what is it, when through, through friction you, you, you can make, make a flame and, and it, it burns the kindling and everything. And it's a bit like that. When he says take nothing with you, it was about being dependent on him. We have everything today. And um, people say, well, we don't see the power of God like we used to. I'm not, in, I'm not doing an impersonation of anyone here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because we've become so dependent on my opinion and what I've got and the money in my pocket and my mobile and the NHS. And thank God for the NHS and thank God for my mobile and thank God for the money in my pocket. I'm not knocking any of these things. But Jesus here is, is making a point to them. He's saying, don't take anything with you. Don't lean on your staff. Lean on me. Bit of a spurious thing to do. But that's what I believe he's saying. I believe what he was saying there was, come to me. Um, be drawn to me. Live for me. I will empower you. Now rely upon me. It's scary to speak to somebody sometimes. But rely upon me. Depend upon me. That's what he was saying. And don't take these things. It's great to have everything around us. But let's depend on him. Why, when you go to a conference, are you all excited? There's a sense of dependency, a sense of expectation. But in every walk of life, if we were to depend on Jesus today, why is it when doctors say, there's nothing we can do for you, that we then say, I've got nothing else, but I've got to turn to him. And the real sense of dependency rises up in our hearts, doesn't it? It does. But it'd be great to depend on him now before we get pushed into that type of corner, but to learn right now that, Jesus, I need you. There's something about the modern life that's uh, toxic to faith. It's invaded the church. Oh, we can sing happy songs. We can even jump around. But still, there's something toxic to faith. It's a a self-sufficiency. And Jesus here was teaching his disciples in those early days, learn to depend on me. Love me. Be with me. I'm your friend. I'm not just a name. I'm not just in a book but I'm with you right now. Dependency. It's amazing when you depend on him. And then in Luke 10 verse 3, mirroring this story, uh, Jesus says something similar. He doesn't use the word staff in there, but he tells them not to take other money with them. But he says to them in Luke 10 verse 3, mirroring the same thing, this idea of dependency, he says, go, I'm sending you out 
And, and do not greet anyone on the road. Luke 10, 3, verse 3 and 4. Go. Do not greet anyone on the road. I'm sending you out. Take nothing with you. Uh, so there's dependency. But in Luke 10, we read urgency. He says, go. And you'll see there's a, uh, an exclamation mark in the NIV. It's emphatic, the way it's written there. It's like, this is really the main thing. You know, people say, we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. So many Christians say that. Jesus is saying, the main thing here is, tell the world. Tell the world I'm I'm alive. Tell the world that God is at hand. God is is just a step away now. And and there are many people in Long Eaton. There are a population of over 40,000 people. If 5% are roughly churchgoers, 95%. That's tens of thousands of people that don't know Jesus Christ. If you go to Chilwell and Beeston and that area and, and, and Sawley and Breeston and Draycott and, um, and Borowash and Spondon and Derby, it's thousands, thousands of people in our nation, millions that don't know Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God is just that breath, that step. If they lost their breath tomorrow, he's here right now. It's amazing. And is that urgency. And so Jesus says to them, and don't greet anyone on the road. Well, Jesus was a lovely person to be around. He loved people. He had time for people. He wept over people. He wasn't rude and saying, don't even look at them. They've got, oh, they're rubbish they are. He wasn't saying that. He was stressing urgency. This is the need of the hour. That was then. Boy, it's the need of the hour until he comes again. Until Jesus comes again. And so we see there's this understanding of dependency and urgency. So Jesus calls them to himself. He gives them power. He sends them out. And he encourages them to be urgent and to depend on him. And do you know what? That's the same for you and I today. Second thing then. How do we multiply? So if it's for all of us, Jesus calls you. He wants you to come to himself. He clothes you with the power and authority. If you have the Holy Spirit within your heart and life, there's power and authority. Christ working within us, letting the word of God work richly within our lives. Jesus comes and lives within, the Holy Spirit within our hearts. There is that sense of anointing and power and authority. So many people waiting for the anointing. He says, be available now. This is the time. Second thing then, multiply the mission. He says this in, um, comes up. how do we multiply the mission? How do we spread this idea of everyone reaching out to those around us? And so Jesus says something quite amazing in Luke 10 verse 2. He says this, the harvest is plentiful. How about this? He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that interesting? Humanist society will tell you, nobody's interested. That's what they'll say. It's not true. In fact, people are spiritually more interested today than ever. Fact. That's a fact. About 60 to 70% of people in the UK would say that they are Christian. Um, It's probably nearly 60% of people... believe in some form of spirituality. They have us believe that no one believes in anything anymore. Not so many people go to church anymore. That's why the harvest is so huge. So, but Jesus said all those years ago, 2,000 years ago, the harvest, when he said plentiful, he said it's ripe. There are people near you 
next to you, at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, in my home, in my neighborhood, ripe, ready, heart. And this is what Jesus was saying. But then he says this, but the workers are few. The workers are few. The, the thing is, that it's massive. The world is huge. And there's a big work out there, and there's so many that are ready. So then he says this, what do we do? Do we just pack up shop, hold the fort for I am coming, bolt the doors, we're doing okay, we can fill the place out, we're all right. Not at all. He then says this, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. In other words, send me, send us, Lord. Wherever you say go, I'll go. Might not mean that you go to the far east, other side of the world. I'm not saying that, but I'm available, God. And Now release us, Lord. Release your church. If every church was released with the vision of the mission, then our world would be turned upside down. And this is why it said, these are the people that are turning the world upside down. In the book of Acts, it was only 120 people. Only a few hundred people. It says, these are the people turning the world upside down. So we're encouraged to pray. Pray with power. As I said, Long Eaton's a town of 40,000 people plus It's not true that you're only going to have a little church because it's only a little town. It's rubbish. It's not true. Jesus said the fields are right to the harvest. Look at the ends of the earth. Finally, the response. And I think this is the key. The response of the people. So we see that Jesus shares the mission and he shares it with us all. We see that he encourages us to multiply the mission through prayer. Tonight we've got our prayer gathering and I encourage you to come and join us as we pray. We're going to pray over some things, life of our town and our, our church in this area. And then finally, the response of the people. And with this we'll conclude. I think that the, the danger for me uh, and for probably many of us is we, we can let the thought of rejection put me off. Oh, they're going to not be interested. Oh, they're going to say, are you silly? <laughs> Politely. I put it mildly. They say it worse than that to you, won't they? Somebody will. It's like when the, the guy cutting my hair told the story. My hair's quite short at the moment, but I had a lot to cut this one day. And he got the clippers out and he was chatting to me and he was talking about his, his uh, relationship and, uh, with the, 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 the lady that he was with. And uh, I said, well, I'm just about to celebrate 25 years married. I won't say what he said. I couldn't, pronounce, I couldn't, I couldn't say what he said. How did you do that then? Oh, I can't pronounce, I can't say what he said. And I said, well, I've, I've said this, I've, I've got a very good wife who puts up with me. I said, it's my faith as well. Only a little thing, but you bring it. And, and he said, oh, right. Cut my hair a bit carefully. I thought, well, be careful now. <laughs> be careful with those clippers, where you're going with them. It shook him a little bit. And, and then we talked a little bit about church and stuff like that. And it, it, but they're little things, aren't they? But I think, sometimes we think, oh, you think I'm a, a right nut, nutter. But it's not like that at all. And actually, it's not like that. And this is what Jesus said. Look at this with me just for a minute. Because the disciples would have thought, they'll think we're nutters. It didn't, but look at what Jesus said. Look at this. Have a look at this together. And we find it in verses uh, 4 and 5 there. Um, you see uh, that Jesus uh, says to them, If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet. Uh, this is a testimony against them. In Luke chapter 10, he says this. Uh, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those that are ill and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. But when you enter the town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe it off our feet. If you go a bit further on, he says in verse 
16, whoever listens to you, this is interesting, look at this. It's not personal. Hey, it's not personal. Listen to this, look at this. This has transformed my thinking. Verse 16, whoever listens to you, listens to Jesus, me, he says. Whoever rejects you, rejects me, Jesus. And whoever rejects me, woe betide them because they're rejecting the Father. So what Jesus is saying there, it's not personal. The responsibility is with Jesus, not me. My responsibility is not to convert the world. It's just to follow Jesus and just to be what he wants me to be. And that takes all the stress out of this. And if they reject you, they reject him. And if they receive what you say, they'll be receiving him. It's amazing. It's really amazing. Sometimes we think they'll think we're nutters. Oh, they won't be interested. Uh, many a time, when we, we, I first started out in Christian ministry, Helen and I, we were pioneering a church on a, on a challenging estate in the highlands of Scotland. And I used to, we used to knock on doors and, and just talk to people about the new church in the area. And as I was walking up the drive, I'd be talking myself out of knocking on the door. As I got to the day, I got, got to the gate, the day, the gate. I got to the gate, I'd be thinking, oh, they're not really going to want, and what if there's a dog there and I'm walking up the drive and thinking, and when I get to that, they're going to say, you're silly and stupid. And by that time, I'm by the door and I've got to do something as I look an idiot, so I knock on the door. And, you know, quite often people would say, I'm not interested. And I'd say, well, thank you very much. But very often people would say, I'm interested. And that's how the story of the lady that invited us in, me and a friend, she had uh, arthritis on her hands. She, she could have been my granny, so it was, you know, it was all right. Me and a friend went to see her. We had a cup of tea, prayed for her, and she got healed. There and there in a the room. Got thrown across the other side of the room, and uh, the arthritis went down in her hands. It was incredible. So, do you know, it's, it's nothing personal. It's not personal. Now, you don't have to go knocking on doors necessarily, but in life, when you share with a colleague or with your manager or somebody behind the till, or the counter, over the fence, or at school, or at college. They may say, I'm not interested. But hey, that's not me. It's, they're doing that with Jesus. But I'm not going to say, well, woe betide you. You reject me, you reject Jesus. But it's not personal. And so we can then say straight away, the response is with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. If we lift up Jesus, he will draw people to himself. So um, don't let rejection put you off. Um, he, he says an interesting thing there. He says, wipe the dust off your feet if you're not received. Uh, in the Eastern culture, that would have been quite a big, big deal. But it's, we could put it akin today was just wash your hands. Sort of wash your hands of them. Not in a condemning, I don't believe that would be in a condemning way. But I believe it's just, well, you know, the offer is there. And Jesus didn't go chasing after people. You'll find that he never went chasing back after people. He would give them the offer and reach out to them. And love them. So we see, don't let rejection put you off. Now, uh, the response of people there, you find some will reject you, some will receive you. But finally, it's this um, great things happen. I've just shared one story of something amazing happened to me. I had lots of people that would say to me, not interested, not interested, not interested. But this one lady came to the church then who got healed. She was into spiritism, okay? And uh, she saw spirits when we were praying. But I still prayed anyway. And an amazing thing happened to this lady. And she came to our church then uh, many, many years ago. But things happen. And things happen. So the disciples said, wow, even the demons listen to us. 
when we pray in your name. And Jesus said, that's great. The other disciples told him about what was happening. Herod, the king of the day, said, I must meet this Jesus. It caused consternation. Things were happening. This Herod said, who is this man? They're saying he's a prophet because people were being healed. People were coming to find the kingdom of God. And so things were happening. You know, when we reach out, when we speak out, when we touch lives, when we reach our friends, things happen in people's lives. That's Jesus' issue. Things happen. Things, amazing things happen. I'll leave you with this quote. Jim Elliot, he's the man who uh, wrote in his journal um, a few months before he was uh, martyred with a group of friends on the banks of the Kurai River and uh, a whole tribe of Indians. They were speared to death, his friends. But a few months before, he was, he's a missionary, missionary martyr. And uh, he wrote, Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. Amazing words. But he said this. Surely those who know the great passionate heart of God must deny their own loves to share in the expression of his. Amazing man. Surely those who know the great passionate heart of God, lots of talk about passion for Jesus, isn't there? Must deny their own loves to share in the expression of his. And Jesus called the disciples to himself to go and tell the world that God loves them. Jesus loves them. There is a relationship with God on offer to the whole world through the power of his son, Jesus Christ. And he calls us, Jesus calls us to himself to be empowered to go. Let's pray together. We're going to sing as we close this morning. Heavenly Father, we just give our hearts and lives to you afresh. We say you're an amazing God. And Lord Jesus, how amazing is this that you commission us for mission. We sometimes think of mission as missionaries in the farthest reaches of Africa, and that's to some degree true. But mission is reaching out to anyone that's nearby me. Your mission was to show the Father's love to the world. You embodied that, Lord Jesus, and you likewise, you call us to live the life, to be you wherever we go. And so we come to you, we, you call us to yourself to follow you. But the amazing thing is that you want to empower us with the person and power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses wherever we are. And so we give our lives to you afresh this day. Oh, Lord Jesus, will you help me? Help us to be courageous, to be bold, to speak out, to reach out. Not only to tell people, but to love people, to care for people, to speak in a way that shows you that you love them. Your grace and your mercy is available to all. Lord Jesus, we say, we want to reach out and touch people's lives and hearts. Would you renew marriages, homes, people, children, young people? Would you embolden us wherever we are at work? We can't spend all day witnessing at work. We're not saying that, but when the opportunity's there, I'm prepared. I've got a desire. There's an urgency. There's a dependency. And so, Lord, we say that we need you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, would you just come afresh? Be released afresh in my heart. I make room for kingdom business. I make room for you, Lord Jesus. So take my life. Take my life. Take my life. So that I may express your passionate heart of love. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great message. That's a wow message. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I've sat on that. 
I've put that lump under a bowl. I'm not going to beat myself up. All I'm going to say is I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out. I'm going to open up my heart and say, let the light shine. Lord Jesus, this is my life. Now let the light shine. Let your word dwell in me richly. Christ alive. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Be released, Lord Jesus. Alive in me, wherever I go. Strengthen me. I I pray for some families here. For husbands and wives who are Christians. And their wife or their husband not. Where homes... Some are Christians, some are not. Family members. Oh, Lord, let your light shine. Let your light shine throughout our lives, we pray. At work with my boss, my manager, my colleagues, my friends. At school, college, neighborhood, family. I've got family members that will be resistant now. They've become resistant. Let your light shine afresh. Jesus, We want to be a city on a hill. I pray that something fresh stir in our church, in my life. Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you are so good. You're my friend. I can see you. I can feel you. I can taste you. You are here. Oh, Lord Jesus, be so relevant, alive, and here right now. Let a revival of heart come. Often we pray for revival, pray for revival, but the revival is here. Here's my heart. Rivers of living water, you say, will flow out of you. Let it flow, Lord. Let it flow. Let's stand together as we sing, shall we, folks? Let it flow, Lord.